Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. What in the wide, wide world of sports is going on here? Broadcasting live from the greatest city in the world. Austin, Texas, baby. It's Bucky and Aaron. You guys want to play some twos? You know what? Actually, we're kind of in the middle of a conversation. B and E. What's B and E? Bucky Godbolt, Aaron Hogan on the Horn 1049 AM 1260 and hornfm.com with the Longhorns play and Austin Talks Sports. What do you know? I give you some solar space information that you can enjoy, and all you guys want to do is send us texts about Uranus. Stop with it. You know what I mean? Don't, don't forget about the other five planets you'll see tonight at sunset. Hope everybody's having a good Wednesday. We're going to have a uh, conversation coming up. You know, the Valero Texas Open is this weekend. Coming off the uh, WGC Dell Technologies match play, we had you know 64 top players in the world with Sam Burns winning that. Uh, they've now headed down to San Antonio for the uh, Valero event, the Texas Open. And they'll tee that off tomorrow. So we're going to talk with the uh, marketing director, uh, get some ideas how you can get down there and take in some good golf this weekend. Some of the big names that will be there. Uh, J.J. Spawn was the winner of that last year. Jordan Spieth won it a couple years ago. So we'll get a preview. And, uh, you know, the busy weekend was here last weekend. Now they're going to be down in San Antonio, which is pretty cool. And yeah, I'm, the more I see you, Ty Henderson, my producer, you, uh, I can see where people thought you looked like Sam Burns coming through. Uh, I think it's the beard Texas. and and lack of uh, lack of chin structure. If wonder ever wonder what our producer Ty looks like, you can find him on his tw- Twitter account, and other places. But uh, just look up Sam Burns, the golfer. He looks very similar. And you said you hung out with Sam Burns and had some pops back in the day. Yeah, that's uh, some some frat parties back in the day. We we shared a conversation or two. Yeah. Okay. Good dude. Yeah. Seems like all from for the most part, it seems like all go- golfers are are nice guys, good guys, except for Deshambo. Yeah. Well, that's once you make it to the tour. You know, I'm, ta- <laughs> I'm talking college and high school golfers here. I'm, when I'm thinking of um, unliked golfers, I think of Patrick Reed. Well, I guess he did steal money from his teammates in the locker room in college. So, and he's a cheat on the course. That's the worst thing you can be uh, as a golfer. It's the gentleman's game. Uh, we don't do that. You don't take advantage of your opponents. Um, but, yes, and then I guess Brooks Kepka became a little bit uh, prickly there. But um, he would just say he was competitive. But uh, that's the way that goes. But, yeah, most golfers, good dudes. Good dudes. And Sam Burns would be one of those. We're talking about some PGA golf coming up. We're talking Rodney Terry, who is the new head coach of the Longhorns. Not surprising. But I thought yesterday's press conference uh, was really good. I thought the energy was solid. I mean, not solid. It was great. I mean, when he walked in the door and his team, his entire team was there, and they gave him a standing ovation as he walked in, uh, that said a lot to me. Uh, and then, you know, DeLos Dodds, the, the great Texas athletic director, made the trip to be there to support. And, of course, he hired Rick Barnes, who then hired uh, Rodney Terry to be his one of his top assistants and led to some of the best years the Longhorn basketball program has ever had. He was a part of that. And then I thought he came off really well. I mean, his connection with uh, this city – uh, with this job, uh, with with the fan base, 
you know, he's there are no guarantees in a coaching hire, right? I mean, if they had introduced Jay Wright to be the new head coach yesterday, there'd been a lot of excitement, but there are no guarantees. I remember, gosh, Ty, you don't, probably don't remember this, but remember when uh, the Texas women's program hired Gail Guestingcores to come in, and she had been at Duke and just was a can't miss hire, and it no. didn't work, and it just didn't work. She didn't have ties in Texas, she didn't know the program very well. And for whatever reason, it didn't work, and it was it didn't last. And I'm not saying that would be Jay Wright, but you know Jay Wright's connections and, and is all East Coast. And uh, but you know I would have been excited if they landed Jay Wright or you know, the name Billy Donovan was kind of floated, who's coaching the Chicago Bulls right now. But in the end, to to land, um, to, to just have Rodney Terry here when this all went down. And I'll say again, I you know Chris Beard, you know we know the circumstances were were what they were. And it was a bad situation, but in the end, I'll give Chris Beard a lot of credit because I think Chris Beard built a program in a short amount of time that was built to withstand even something as as awful as that and as as difficult as that. I mean, that says a lot about the program he built, uh, the players he brought into the program, the coaches he hired. I always believe this, you know, Ty, A's hire A's. Uh, A's want to be surrounded by other A's, A-level people. B's hire C's. B, B people hire C people because they're intimidated by A's. Uh, so Chris Beard clearly hired A-level people, and Rodney Terry was one of them uh, as a head coach. Chris Ogden, another. Bob Donawald, who was with him at Texas Tech. And, um, you know, the circumstances were outside of, you know, the players and coaches' control, but, you know, that was that's a, that's a strong coaching staff. And then a roster to build in essentially two years uh, that was able to, because everything you heard from Rodney Terry yesterday was this team was was mature, and they they were you know built to handle this and uh, did an unbelievable job and I think it's fair to say that they did and um, you know that's that's credit to Chris but it's certainly credit to you know Rodney and Rodney's plan is to just uh, um, you know keep the keep the momentum rolling. Um, all right, so uh, we'll talk more about that coming up. But we have a phone call coming in, and we're going to go to the, the Vaqueros hotline. What's your thoughts, though, on Rodney Terry? And we'll pick it up. Yes, he's a fellow St. Edwards alum like I am, and I, I knew Rodney at a, at a young age in college. I got to meet him a few times. And, again, he's a charismatic guy who showed that, that he can coach 29 wins this year, um, or you know, 23 wins after taking over the program. But, but a, a trip to the Elite Eight, and who knows, if Dylan DeSue doesn't get hurt, maybe playing in the Final Four this weekend. That says a lot. And I thought he came off really strong yesterday with his connections, with his vision for the program. Uh, and, you know, the recruits that are coming in and I already love the guy. Um, so uh, that speaks well for him and where the program can go. All right, so let's uh, switch gears. We know we saw the, uh, the best players in the world playing golf here in Austin this past weekend. And uh, we're going to see them again down in San Antonio. The Masters is in a couple of weeks, but in between it, it's uh, the Valero Texas Open down in the, uh, the great city of San Antonio. Uh, and we're joined right now on our Vaqueros Cafe and Cantina hotline by Craig Smith. He is the marketing director. Did I get that right, Craig? Are you the, the, the marketing director of the Valero Open? Hey, that that, that sounds great, Aaron. I'm the, I'm the guy with the big target on my back this week. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> the big target. Uh, well, <laughs> the, I, by, the, by the way, are, 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 we, are we nestled in between match play and the Masters? 
Are they flanking the Valero Texas Open? I just want to make sure we kind of get that straight here. You're kind of right about that, and uh, this has become a. This is you know the, the the players on the tour that are going to play love this thing. It's a real test of golf. What goes on? And we man, the wind was up yesterday. I was uh, uh, thinking, man, this. Uh, let's hope this moves on, San Antonio, because that that course is tough when it's not windy and looks like the wind may be a factor. Uh, what's uh, what's the plan for the weekend weather wise at the Valero Texas Open? You know, uh, Aaron, thank you for asking, man. Thanks for having me on the show. You know, we're going to have uh, maybe have a little bit of precipitation tomorrow. But other than that, I think it's typical Texas weather. We had a, a windy day yesterday. It was pretty chilly out here. going to be nice today. Uh, a tick of precipitation tomorrow. And then the weekend is going to be a little warm, but it should be great. And uh, I think the winds are going to die down some. You're right. This golf course tends to play uh, top uh, two or three most difficult on the PGA Tour as it was designed. And then when you throw a little wind in there, it can certainly add an extra challenge to these uh, 144 professionals that are going to be teeing up tomorrow at TPC San Antonio. That, that will be the event. And uh, J.J. Spawn is the defending champion. Jordan Spieth, didn't, didn't Jordan win it two years ago? Am I right about that? And Jordan did win it two years ago. He was our 20, um, 2021 champion, so he defended it at the 100th anniversary last year. Jordan, unfortunately, is not going to be playing with us this year. Um, his schedule uh, didn't allow, and he, he's here for a couple of years, and he'll maybe uh, try to switch his schedule around and add some events that he hadn't played before. And certainly, um, we uh, we understand that, but we certainly love to have Jordan here and welcome him back whenever it works for him to come back to the Alamo City. Uh, I know, uh, you know, JJ Spawn is the defending champion. Matt Kuchar was in the running last year along with Matt Jones. Talk about the field this year, and if if uh, our our listeners are able to get down there and take in some golf this weekend, uh, who are the the, the top players they're going to see? Yeah, yeah, and by the way, you can go to ValeroTexasOpen.com. We still do have tickets available each day right now. Um, yeah, Matt Kuchar always plays this golf course well. Um, defending champion Charlie Hoffman, our, our past champion Charlie Hoffman, who's made more Valero Texas Open cash than anybody. Uh, I think he's going to be one to watch. Um, Andrew Landry, another Texan, Jimmy Walker, local San Antonio guy. Uh, Ricky Fowler's probably playing some of the, the best golf he's played in some time, so we're excited to watch him put a peg in the ground. Um, interestingly enough, Kyle Westmoreland, who's an Air Force Academy grad and the first Academy grad to get his tour card, is playing this week uh, in Military City, USA, so I think we'll see a lot of um, servicemen and women from the installations coming out to cheer him on. So it's going to be a great field. Uh, Cole Hammer, um, UT, um, Kid is yeah. going to be playing with us this week, so it's uh, it's going to be an interesting mix, and uh, just can't wait to uh, see the guys put a peg in the ground tomorrow morning and see who's going to be ultimately hoisting the uh, Champions Trophy on Sunday afternoon. Absolutely, Hideki Matsuyama will be down there as well. Uh, so some some yes, names that can, yep. and I know that Ricky Fowler story is going to be followed by a lot because he's trying to qualify for the Masters, and uh, you know that 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 that's a lot of incentive for guys who are out of those those invites and uh, to try to come win this thing and, and get yourself into Augusta the following week. Yeah, you know I think that that's always a great storyline. JJ Spawn certainly did it last year. I think you know Corey Ponder a couple of years ago was a. Uh, you know, we have four open spots here, and uh, Corey was the last guy to get into the tournament. Ends up winning the Valero Texas Open, going on to the Augusta, and is a great ball striker. Um, and he's very competitive week in and week out. And so I think he's going to be another one to watch here at the Valero Texas Open for sure. Yes, I, sir. I talked to a lot of people um, uh, last Luke, week. Luke Donald, European. Oh, nice. 
Yeah, Luke Donald's a good one. Hey, so I talked to a lot of people last week out at uh, Austin Country Club that have kind of figured that course out and how to where to where to navigate and where to put themselves to see mo- the most action over the the course of time that that's been out there. Uh, for our audience that maybe uh, you know had the bug this weekend and wants to get down to San Antonio, what's uh, what's the game plan to to, to see the most golf and and uh, the best vantage points down there at the TPC San Antonio? You know this. Uh, yeah, thank you for asking. This course is is really easy to get around. It does have a a hill country feel to it with about a, about a hundred feet of fall from, from the one tee going out, coming back to nine and, and then going out from 10 to 18, but yeah, 10, hole 10, hole 16 and hole 18 kind of frame out a, a gathering area we call the backyard. And we have a, a lot of uh, great food and beverage there. We have some great spirit sponsors and Garrison brothers, which is a, an Austin based company for mm-hmm. sure. Our high Texas right down the road, uh, Tito's, is going to be out there. So I think I think if you go to 10, 16, and 18, you're going to see all the golf you want to see right there, and it's very easy to, to navigate between those three holes. And for folks who've never um, been down. It's our, yeah, and our course is designed such that if you do want to fall Ricky off number one and you want to fall for 18, it, it's a relative walk. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, for our audience who have not been down, I mean, it's you guys are in northern San Antonio, so it's a drive that – you know, you're not going all the way into downtown to the outlet to the Riverwalk. Uh, tell folks how to be a part of it and how they can get those tickets and uh, uh, how to be be at the course on whatever day they want to be there. Sure, sure. Yeah, um, please visit ValeroTexasOpen.com. You can order tickets. Uh, we have some ground tickets available. We also have a, an opportunity with an upgraded ticket. It's $100 per guest per day, and you get into our Ultra Club, which is sponsored by Nick which is at 16T, great place to watch golf. A um, lot of fun and very economical way for uh, for uh, maybe a young person or even a, a young family to come out to the Valero Texas Open and enjoy a great experience. Um, our general admission parking is at River City Community Church, which is um, take 35 to 1604, and then you exit right there, uh, way into town from Austin, park there and get a short shuttle bus ride, and it'll take you right to the golf tournament. And... Uh, have a great day out here at TPC San Antonio. Looking forward to it. Uh, folks getting down there. Weather looks good It's after day one. And then uh, watching the coverage all weekend long from uh, the Alamo City. Craig Smith, the, um, uh, the marketing director and man with the big target on his back this week down there in San Antonio. <laughs> hey, Craig, thanks a lot. Appreciate it. And uh, have a great event. We look forward to, to watching it and uh, seeing the champion. Uh, thanks so much for your time. I hope you and your listeners have a blessed day. And I uh, hope we'll see everybody down here this weekend. There you go. Thanks there much. you go. You got the bug. You got the bug after watching the uh, the Dell match play. Get on down there. And then, of course, the Masters the following week, which is uh, pretty cool. Uh, we got some texts in while we were talking to Craig about uh, Rodney Terry. This says college basketball is all about the portal and NIL. Well, that's true. It's a new day and age. And that's why I say, I mean, it's uh, there are going to be some coaches who handle it well and some coaches who don't handle it well. Uh, that's the uncertainty with Rodney Terry. But we know he was a part of building this roster side-by-side uh, side with Chris Beard. I mean, uh you know, those two – I mean, think about this, what we learned about Rodney Terry over the course of this year. We know he can coach. We know he can lead men and young people and connect. Um, but in, if you want to talk about roster building, well, Chris Beard was still the head coach. The, the, two, the two-person recruiting class that the Longhorns brought in with two five-star players, A.J. Johnson from Los Angeles and the best player in the state of Texas uh, from Duncanville uh, – um, gosh, why – Ron Holland. Ron Holland. Both recruited by Rodney Terry. He was the lead recruiter on both players. Uh, he also is the lead recruiter on the number one player in the state of Texas for 2024 out of Dallas Lake Highlands. 
who is a, you know, he's a guy that might go straight to the professional ranks and then you know start in the G League. But if he does want to go to college, he may end up here. Uh, he's a he's a Texas lean by a lot of the uh, the recruiting observers. So uh, he can recruit, and recruiting is the you know high school recruiting and the portal. I mean, I think this Texas roster with its potential next year is exactly how you want to build a roster in, in this day and age of the NIL. You want to recruit the best players from the high school ranks that you can get. Arterio Morris and Dylan Mitchell were both five-star players uh, coming into Texas. The two players that are coming in, I just mentioned, five-star players. Uh, but you also want to accentuate that with veteran players. Uh, the four players that are leaving for Texas that are out of eligibility, you know, they were the, the, the backbone of your team. I mean, it was Marcus Carr. It was some Jabari Rice. Timmy Allen, Christian Bishop. I mean, these were these were dudes. And so, yes, you have to a, you know, replace them with guys that are here. Uh, you know, Dylan DeSue, If you talk him back, Dylan DeSue still has eligibility. What's his decision going to be? Rodney Terry said he's going to meet with all his team, everybody on the team. Dylan DeSue, I got to think. It's just me thinking for Dylan. I mean, he just he was playing his best basketball right when he suffered a an unfortunate injury. He was the most outstanding player at the Big Twelve tournament. He was. Uh, the, one of the best players in the in the uh, NCAA tournament for a weekend, and his performance against Penn State was was all time great for Texas in a tournament game, and then he can't play. I mean that's unfortunate. I got to think there's got to be, and I want to keep that going. Let's come back and be a part of that. Or you know at his age he could you know, he's transferred from Vanderbilt. He's been through some injuries. There is an idea that maybe he wants to go play professionally, but those are discussions that are going to be had. But let's play it positive that he does come back. Well, he's kind of the cornerstone in the pivot. Dylan Mitchell and Ron Holland are also going to be frontline players. Those, you know, Dylan Mitchell has to improve uh, his offensive game. Now, look, Dylan Mitchell could explore the transfer portal. I'm not saying he's going to do that, but that's the day and age we live in. He and Arturio Morris, those conversations have to be had. But we know Brock Cunningham's coming back. Uh, Alex Anamekwe is going to be coming back. He's another young player. Uh, we saw Rowan Brumbaugh there, the young point guard out of uh, the, the East Coast. He's back a part of this team. But, yes, I mean, when you say portal and NIL, I mean, you've got to hit the portal. There's no question. How well, aggressive I, do you think they'll be in the portal? Well, I think a lot depends, Ty, on who comes back, right? I mean, if everybody that can come back comes back, you're and you add two freshmen, but I think you're sitting at eight or nine players at that point. Because uh, if everyone comes back, you know, Tyrese Hunter, Arterio Morris, Dylan Mitchell, Dylan DeSue, Brock Cunningham, Anna Mekway, I mean, you're, you're, those are they're six, and then you add two freshmen to that, that's seven and eight. Uh, Brumbaugh's nine, so you're sitting with nine players. But you know, so yeah, I think you would you would get in the portal and and see what what if that is your team, the core of your team, you know, where are you hold, where are you uh, you know weak, where can you add, what can you add in the portal, um, you know, it's it you know you heard you heard uh, Rodney Terry say yesterday we want to be dynamic, uh, we want to he actually you know talked to I mean we we talked to Jerry Hamilton yesterday who talked about that Miami team that went three and four guards, that that wouldn't be surprising with Rodney Terry uh, if, if that was the type of team he wants to be. They want to be able to beat you in a lot of ways. They want to be versatile, which is what all coaches say. But I think, uh, you know, we knew what Chris Beard's style of play was. We knew what Chris Beard was. We saw it for several years at Texas Tech. It was very obvious what style of play and what type of player uh, Chris Beard was going to bring in here and what type of program he was going to have. A little more uncertain with Rodney Terry. I think he's going to try to put his own stamp on this. He wants to be ultra-athletic. He wants to be able to defend like crazy on one end, but also uh, give you fits on the defensive end of the floor with, with athleticism. Uh, I think you'll you'll see less of – I think it'll be a more up-tempo game with Rodney Terry than it was with Chris Beard. It definitely looked more – the offense looked more open and free-flowing once he took yeah. over. 
I think that was one of the, cred- the, the real credits to, to Rodney Terry's team, that there was a sense even in one year and into the second year that with Chris Beard, guys were kind of always looking over their shoulder, that if they took a bad shot or two or things didn't go right, they were going to come right back to the, to the bench, and Chris Beard was going to yank them. And that was Chris Beard's way uh, of motivation. But, um, you know, run our offense, run our sets, do our things, be, do it right. Rodney Terry, they did, they did play a looser brand of basketball. They, they did play a more freeing brand, which was more, you know, what fun, more fun to watch. <laughs> and it led to great success. And, um, you know, so I think that's, they're going to push towards that. But, look, the other coaches, Bob Donawald on the offensive end, Rodney Terry will still be the guy really running the defensive side of the ball, Chris, Chris Ogden. If he stays around and is still a part of this, I think he will be. You know, he's a big part of this coaching staff. Uh, Chapel is still there. So there's a lot to like about the continuity that you can keep in this program. And, again, if you saw the team give the, give the coach a standing ovation as he walked in, they're already bought in. Uh, they're, they're in with Rodney Terry. So, um, you know, and, and as Rodney said yesterday accurately, you know, your best recruiters are your own players. Your best recru- If you're running a good program, your players recruit other players. As it was told, I heard Craig Way say yesterday that, uh, you know, it was Marcus Carr that helped recruit Tyra, uh, Tyrese Hunter. Uh, that was a, he was a big part of that recruitment because uh, they grew up near one another. And that, uh, you know, when Jabari Rice was, was considering coming to Texas, he talked to his teammate, Teddy Allen, who said, hey, call my brother Timmy. Call Timmy. He'll tell you what exactly what's going on at the program. And, you know, both – reported back, you know, this is the kind of place you want to be. And, of course, both came, and both were integral parts of uh, of the success they had this year. So uh, there's some golf, there's some basketball. We'll take a quick timeout, come back more on the uh, NFL, the NFL coaching conversations of the morning. Uh, the Longhorn baseball team finding win number 15 in a row down at College Station, a place they hadn't won in 12 years. More details on that coming up. It's Bucky and Aaron. Bucky had to run out of here, had an appointment to get to, so we'll get you to the finish line, myself and Ty and you, on the show of the people. We were talking about Texas basketball on the way to the timeout, and uh, have that Ron Holland cut ready there, T.Y., because Ron Holland was uh, participating in the McDonald's All-American game in the McDonald's All-American week, and I read this from Yahoo Sports. They said, uh, McDonald's All-American game, top eight performers who impressed scouts uh, on hand. Of course, he had a week of drills, uh, several days, and Number one on the list, Ron Holland, coming to Texas out of Duncanville. So there's a small separation gap between the top players in this senior class, and Holland stepped on the court with something to prove in the first two days of practice in front of NBA scouts and executives. He has a great great length, 6'8", consistently knocking down tough shots during drills and scrimmage, has a lot of upside as an NBA wing, and made a strong first impression. His ball handling and decisions when getting downhill are still areas of improvement uh, after being a little turnover prone during his senior season at Duncanville. Uh, so he's, you know, it just sounds like Ron Holland has a chance to be an, an immediate impact player for Texas next year. It's still going to be a veteran team, I think, especially if Tyrese Hunter is now a third-year guy at the point. Dylan Mitchell and Arterio Morris have a year under their belt. Brock Cunningham's in his 25th year. Um, you know, Dylan DeSue, uh will be a, a veteran player, obviously, if he returns. So there's some experience on the roster, and I think they'll add more of that. I think that's what you'll be looking for in the portal is uh, experience and uh, you know, toughness and that kind of stuff. But, you know, Ron Holland's going to bring a dynamic player. If, you, if you've if you not seen him, Ron Holland kind of looks like Dylan Mitchell, body type-wise. 
but he's he's a lot more advanced with his offensive game. Uh, he's probably not the athlete as far as the the leaper that Dylan Mitchell is, but he is a, he's you know Duncanville's primary ball handler uh, a lot of times, and uh, which is, can lead to some of those turnovers. But he's a really good player, a hard nosed. And we heard from Jerry Hamilton yesterday, who told us that uh, you know he felt like after watching that he really grew up his senior year. He's a little bit immature, he thought, but really took the uh, the mantle of being the best player in the state of Texas to heart and played like it this year for Duncanville. So uh, that'll be interesting. Also, A.J. Johnson, the five-star guard out of uh, Los Angeles, coming in here for Rodney Terry and the Longhorn. Um, this guy said, this says R.T. showed us that he's a strong leader. Strong leaders attract and attract other strong leaders. He's the perfect man to lead us to the future. Um, this says R.T. has reached out to the seven-foot center from Oregon. There you go. Well, that's getting the portal. I mean, I don't think Texas is going to rest on what they've got. I think they've shown you, whether it was Chris Beard or Rodney Terry, that the portal is there to be used. They believe they have a great. Can we hear, let's hear first? Let's hear Ron Holland on why, even through all the turmoil here this season at Texas and what was going on, he decided to stick with his commitment to Texas. Like he signed, I mean, they signed back in the early window, so he is a signed commitment. He would have to opt out of that. But um, you know, he, he he came here to play with Chris Beard as the head coach, but Rodney Terry was the lead recruiter. Here's Ron Holland from this week. Uh, I feel like Coach RT does like he's really well trusted with his guys. He um not only does he coach them, he makes sure that they're good on and off the court. Meaning like he gets in your personal life to make sure that you're you're just good like uh, mentally. Um, he tries to teach a lot of life lessons and that you can carry with you uh, in becoming the young man that I'm going to be. Um, just knowing that he really cares about his players and he's not going to give up. I feel like that makes him the players' coach. All right, so there's Ron Holland, who uh, seems to have a good head on his shoulders, and he's looking for more than just basketball. He wants uh, a mentor and a leader, and as the texture just said, I, I think that's one of Rodney Terry's strongest suits. Um, he's got a lot of them, right? He, he just seems like the genuine article, seems like the real deal, and that comes through. You know, it's one of those like it or leave it kind of things. He just is who he is. I mean, if and, you saw the postgame uh, interviews in the locker room after the loss, the, the things the players had to say about him, I mean, they didn't they made yeah. it all about him and less about themselves, which I thought was really cool. That's right. And uh, and he gets it. That's the one thing I would say about Rodney. Um, I mean, followed his career since I knew him at St. Ed's. I kind of kind of kept the path. And he was here with Rick Barnes through the best years that they had. He understands what this place can be. And now he's played through, you know, the two years of since he's come back and what the Moody Center can be as a home court advantage and an attraction for young guys to come play in and be a part of. And, you know, that was one of the big knocks against Texas. It's a football school, not a basketball school. Have you seen the arena they play in? It's empty. It's quiet, dark. Who wants to play in that arena? I want to play where it's rocking and rolling. Well, that's now the mood. And uh, here's here's Rodney Terry yesterday talking about, you know, what the brand Texas means. He, it's not lost on him. He didn't go to Texas, but he coached at Texas for a decade. He went to St. Ed's. He grew up in South Austin learning to be a coach, and he understands what the, the brand the, uni- the University of Texas can attract. This brand right here is incredible. I mean, it's powerful. It made me leave a, leave a head coaching job, you know, uh, because of the experience and because of uh, just the uh, the elite. It's, it's the elite of the elite to be at the University of, T- of Texas. We have elite coaches on this on this campus. We have elite student athletes on this campus. Um, you know, obviously, we'll start with our recruiting. We always like to start in the state. We want the best players in the state of Texas to come and play for the University of Texas. Uh, we feel like we have the best of all worlds. We have uh, incredible academic, uh, you know, education that you're going to get while you're here. Uh, you're going to get an elite level basketball experience. Uh, you're going to live in one of the best cities in the country. 
uh, and continue to grow. Um, and you're going to have an incredible alumni base that you're going to continue to have an opportunity to network with and, and uh, get to know uh, as well. But uh, we can go anywhere. We, can, we start within the state. We can go nationwide. We can go international because of this brand. It's a very, very powerful brand, uh, and, uh, and there's a lot behind it. All right. So there's uh, Rodney Terry, and you can kind of hear the excitement in his voice. I mean, he, he recruited at places like Fresno State. Nothing against Fresno State. That's not the brand of Texas, and it's a different type of player you can recruit there and UTEP than you can here. And, uh, you know, again, that's where I say he gets it. He understands what this opportunity can be. And, uh, you know, I, I, he's kind of a – there's got to be some confliction to it that, you know, it happened because of the situation with Chris Beard. But in the end, that wasn't his doing, and he's now got this opportunity to run this program and, uh, you know, make it his own. And I think that's exciting for him. And, you know, he did say that Chris Beard did reach out to him yesterday and congratulated him and uh, said he was happy that, that he got the post. And now Chris Beard will begin his new world at Ole Miss, and uh, Rodney will take the reins uh, in this spot. And uh, obviously we'll be here to cover it and watch it. We've seen a lot of coaching changes at Texas over time, and uh, some work out and some don't. This one seems like a – you know, I felt like Chris Beard was a great hire at the time, and I think that shown to be good outside of his own personal situation – but I think Rodney Terry's going to be a really, really good hire. Uh, and he also, when I say he gets it, he pointed out something we talk about a lot. The alignment above him is stronger than it's been in a long, long time. We said that when Sark was hired. We talk about it a lot. But when you see Jay Hartzell and Kevin L. Tyfe and CDC, those three guys, man, they're, they're together. They're together on these things. They're unified on what's good for Texas athletics. And um, you know, those were the architects of the move to the Southeastern Conference. Um, you know, they helped undermine the or build the, the Moody Center and all that's gone on there. Uh, there and there's just a and for folks who are new to Texas, new to town, uh, there was a long stretch right after DeLos Dodds walked out that there was not a lot of leadership from the president's office and not a lot of leadership from the athletic department. And um, it was rudderless in a lot of ways. And it led to a lot of the mediocre performances we saw the Longhorns have. And it does feel like with, and it, you know, the Directors' Cup last year is the number one athletic department in the country for success on the courts and fields and uh, in all the arenas. Uh, they're on their way to doing it again this year uh, for, for Chris Del Conte. And, you know, as we say, if, if football and basketball can lead the way, uh, that, that really puts you in a strong spot. And, and basketball had a great year that I think they can build on in football. You know, a, lot of, a lot of expectation that this can be one of those kind of seasons for the Longhorns with Steve Sarkeesian. We'll talk about that more uh, into the week because the Longhorns did have their seventh practice of spring, which means they're halfway through their 14 practices. Of course, the 15th will be the spring game uh, two weeks from Saturday. So we'll, get, we'll dive deep into Texas football again tomorrow as the Longhorns go through another workout. We're going to hear from Steve Sarkeesian as well tomorrow after practice. We also know the Longhorn baseball team uh, made it 15 straight last night. Impressive win on the road in a hostile environment at Texas A&M. Uh, their first win there in 12 years at Olsen Field, 5-2. to two. And I say impressive, a lot to like about it, right? You got good pitching. You only allowed six hits. Um, you got some timely defense that you made and, 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 a, and a closer in Zane Morehouse who showed that bulldog mentality to get those final two outs with runners on base in the ninth inning. Six out save for him. Lucas Gordon climbed the mound in the seventh and threw just 15 pitches to get you through the seventh inning, three outs, and did a great job. Uh, you know, So obviously David Pierce had a lot of emphasis on that game. Uh, wanted to get it on the road, went to two of his weekend workhorses to, cl- to close it out, to get those final nine outs and get out of there with a victory. I think on the offensive side, you would have said, man, they, they had 15 hits. Probably should have had more than five runs, and it shouldn't have been as close as it was. But 
you know, that's some credit to the Texas A&M pitching staff for pitching in big spots. But, yes, you would have liked to have gotten more out of 15 knocks. But you got 15 hits. So the offense, the defense, the pitching, and that's how you win 15 in a row. They'll head to Stillwater this weekend. And keep in mind, tomorrow on the show, 8.30, we will visit with Texas head coach David Pierce, our weekly visit, talk about uh, his mood. has to be pretty good. They've won 15 in a row. And they're doing a lot of things well in a lot of phases of the baseball game. So uh, good stuff going on. We'll come back. When we do, we'll uh, reset our top stories, uh, get you set up for Light the Tower and the rest of the day on a busy Wednesday here on the Horn. I'll be coming back on the other side. It's Bucky and Aaron. Good stuff this morning. Appreciate everybody's contributions on the Specs text line, including Craig Flowers, our, our colonel. The high ground on Saturday morning says... Uh, FYI, guys, this is the first Final Four without a McDonald's All-American playing in it. Good little nugget there. Yeah, we know San Diego State's got the seven seniors and two juniors. <laughs> um, we know Miami, you know, best team money could build, which is pretty good. Plus, they have a really good coach in Jim Laranega. Uh, getting it done there. UConn as a four seed, and they're the favorites now. And then there's that Florida Atlantic team that came out of nowhere to get to the Final Four. Uh, will be fun this weekend. Also this week, you know, it's opening day in Major League Baseball tomorrow. We'll dive in there. We'll get some great guests tomorrow to preview that. In addition to our conversation with Texas head coach David Pierce, we'll get the baseball side of things. It sounds like, from all accounts, you know, we started training, you know, spring training, and even before the Longhorns started, the big conversation piece was the pitch clock. And, man, the reports from Major League Baseball, in you know, the, the coaches and players coming out of the spring training is they don't like it. They love it. They love the pitch clock. I mean, the, the average game in spring training last year was three three hours and one minute. Spring training games, 236. 236. So they shaved nearly a half hour off of the average time, which, you know, this, the reason they did this was to speed just, the, just the, the dead time when nothing was happening. And all it was was, you know, a pitcher walking around the mound and rubbing up the baseball and, you know, fixing his jock strap or whatever he's doing and the batter in the batter's box. It just sped everything up. Everything's moving a little quicker. Um, and the, the players love it. Managers love it. And no, no controversy at all through spring training. So I think it's going to be embraced and speed up games. And obviously the, the, the network, I mean, the, uh, the league did it because TV networks were saying, look, these games are too long. Y'all, I mean, we're paying you a lot of money for these ball games, but these three hour, 40 minute ball games that we need to fit them into more into a three hour window where we can, and more consistently, which is, was the push, and it, and it does. I think they're going to do that. So excited for the baseball season to open tomorrow. Of course, Round Rock Express will open their season on Friday night out at the Double D. So we're excited about that. Uh, excited for the Final Four. And uh, obviously uh, uh, part of a busy week. And we talked earlier in the hour to Craig Smith from the Valero Texas Open PGA Tour down in San Antonio this week. Uh, but So, yeah, no McDonald's All-Americans. And that may continue, by the way, T.Y., because – I mean, teams are going to follow the lead, and they're going to build their rosters through veteran players. And a lot of times those aren't McDonald's All-Americans. And we also know that the G League in the NBA is a lot more robust than, it's, than it was, more of a developmental arm of the league. And we're, we're about in the new – when the new collective bargaining agreement kicks in in 2024, the one-and-done rule is done. The NBA is going to allow high school players straight to the G League and, and straight into the NBA if they can make it. And that will further, I think – age college basketball, which I think is a good thing. I think it's, I it's a better brand of basketball. It's definitely – it's it's. I mean, having more parity is always a good thing in any sport. And yeah. this year has been awesome to watch because there's not – aside from, like, the little stretch Purdue had in December where they were clearly uh, – they were the number one for, I think, the longest – besides Houston of any other team this season. Um, 
And then obviously they lost in the, the first round to a 16 seed. But I think we'll see more and more of those kind of upsets in the tournament moving forward if a lot of these uh, top-flight prospects go well, straight to the NBA or G League, like you said. Yeah, look, I mean, it's cyclical. I mean, we go back to when John Calipari had all freshmen and, you know, one-and-done kind of players, and he won with it. Do you think that game. kind of team can ever win again? I don't, I, I'll say never. I, I won't say never, but I don't think it's likely. But at the same time, it's, it's going to evolve. I think that's fair to say. And I do think it evolves as an older sport, which is good. Uh, as we talked with Jerry Hamilton yesterday, I think it becomes more like college baseball, where the more the NBA develops its G League and embraces the idea of young players and they develop them, not put them into college for a few years, they have an arm and ability to develop those players with really good coaching and teams, then it's going to be more and more players are going to pick that avenue. They're going to pick the role of going straight into that, much like great high school baseball players choose to go straight into the minor leagues and work their way up. Uh, but, you know, the problem in the NBA when they had well, – the reason they put the one-and-done rule in is they didn't have any type of minor league system, so they'd bring these 18-year-old kids into a grown man's league who weren't ready, and they'd flounder. There's and, so many – There's like, it's different than baseball, though, because there's so many uh, just teams and levels. And levels and well, that's the beauty of baseball, right? I mean, you, team of basketball I mean, you can work your way into – but you don't step foot on a major league baseball field until you've proven yourself at – Four, three or four levels of minor league baseball. Oh, I'm just saying a lot of these high school kids could make very bad decisions if they decide well, to jump and, you know, their their lives, their playing career could be ruined, you but, know. Well, for sure. And that's that's the decisions they have to weigh. But I've always have been for 18-year-olds to have options. And that's, you know, in the NFL you still don't have it. Um, but I like the idea of hockey and baseball where you can choose to climb your way through the minor leagues and be a professional player immediately or come to college. And if you're going to, but the one thing I'm saying with that is if you're going to come to college, you're probably coming for two, three, four years. You're not coming to be one year, one year and be gone. Uh, you're coming here like a college baseball player would and plan to be here for three years at least and develop under good coaching on this level and then back into the NBA draft or the Major League Baseball draft. I do think it's a, it's a good thing for the sport of basketball, which, I mean, the TV ratings would tell you that this year's tournament was through the roof gangbusters. I mean, the, the viewership was off the charts. Now, we'll, does that carry into the Final Four with a four seed, two fives, and a nine? I don't know. I don't know if it's going to bring TV eyeballs. But the tournament itself over the first two weeks, huge, huge TV ratings. Uh, and I think people liked what they saw because it was a good brand of basketball, a healthier brand of basketball. All right, uh, we will pick this up tomorrow morning. David Pierce will be with us at 8.30 tomorrow. We'll have your buck ons and buck offs, of course, all morning long. So get those ready. Light the Tower is next. Thanks, you, Ty. Thank you, Buck. Every hour podcast at hornfm.com.